everybody what's up hi yeah q a back at it once again and we're honored and delighted to um supplement our usual misinformation kind of platform with a special guest yeah cassandra (laughs) (laughs) i think uh, one thing I already like about you, Cassandra, after having only met you a minute ago, is that you have the least vocal fry voice on the pod. Uh, <laughs> it's it's two heavily vocal fry men, and you have like kind of none of that going on so far. Really? Okay. To be honest, I like I. You know how you can't really tell what you sound like yourself, and even when you hear it back, it's like, is that what I sound like? So I've always wondered if I am perceived to have vocal fry or not. So it's good to hear that I don't. Not yet, baby. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get there, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, I might jump out. <laughs> Is there a correlation between vocal fry and brain fry? Because I think so. That might be an, a dimension to it. Um, before we jump into kind of the docket, is there anything you want the listeners to know about you? Or um, I don't know. I mean. I'm just a Twitter anon. Um, Obviously, that's how I met you guys. I recently made my Twitter public after like nine months of it being private. So it's exciting to be able to actually like get followers now (laughs) and to get invited on pods. So yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Cool. Um, Why did you go private at the the beginning? Just out of Um, curiosity. I was just kind of nervous about IRLs (laughs) finding me. I was kind of in a very liberal, like, arts scene, and I just kind of thought better safe than sorry, but at this point, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah, I find that incredibly relatable, because I constantly get close to, but I'm trying not to dox myself on the pod, and I also work in an extremely liberal... um, industry and group of people in space so yeah it's a dangerous game um but yeah no i'm glad you're not on private anymore because there was definitely like hella tweets almost every day where i was like god damn i wish i could retweet this shit so (laughs) i recently looked because i made this account in like december last year so it's only been about a year i had like a different account before that one But I noticed that I had like over 6,000 tweets and I did the math and it was like an average of 16 tweets a day. And I was like, oh, God, that's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think we lost Q again, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm back. I was actually kind of hoping that you guys just kept talking. (laughs) Anyway, I'll just pick up where I was. I left off. I I find the need. To the worry of being because I like have lib face at work because I work in lower Manhattan at a you know a very like hippie to be like kind of rich private school and believe it or not those uh signifiers will give you nothing because that's like 40 different schools in lower Manhattan um 
But yeah, you know, as someone whose prime job is uh, transing kids, I, I just, I, I don't think this podcast would go over that well, you know. How much do you, do you have to like fully like pretend to believe all that stuff or you just kind of nod and smile through it? Well, I do, and I do have to use, um, and this will probably get us to what Cassandra was talking about earlier, the book. <laughs> um, but I do have to, I do have to use preferred pronouns, and I don't really care about that. It doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't feel so different than like kids asking me to like call them by a nickname or whatever. And I am explicitly told to not tell parents uh, if their what kid is using. Yeah, what their kids identifying as. Well, so that's, do you get how many kids are actually using like different pronouns? I would say that by the seventh and eighth grade, about half are using wow. they them. Oh my god, how many kids are in like the year? It's a small school, so it's like sixty. That's a crazy but, amount, though. Like, I feel like five years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. No, it wouldn't have. So yeah, so like 30 are using they, them pronouns, almost all girl, young girls. Um, at this age, the age that I'm at now, they're not, they don't, there's no medical intervention of any kind happening. <laughs> and the only medical intervention I have ever in, like encountered in my like 10 years in education was a high school um, male to female uh transgender woman and that person was like nearing adulthood and um did get estrogen and stuff like that so hmm. but generally it's like i don't know how old you are cassandra but like when a and i were like younger like everyone was bisexual there was like a whole <laughs> yeah you know there probably was... around the same age i'm 30 okay yeah, we're we're a little older than you, but not much. I'm I'm 34. I think is in between the two of us. Yeah, 32. Um, but yeah, I mean, like there was the big like everyone's bi phase, and I feel like I kind of feel like most of these kids who are using they them pronouns are probably going to settle into pretty um, heterosexual identities. I think what scares me about it, not to get too serious at the top of the pod, is that you know, there's this increasing push for medicalization. And that's that's really what scares me more than kids uh, calling each other <laughs> nicknames and stuff. That doesn't it, worry me like at all. Kids have always kind of done this, whether it was like being an emo, being a punk, being, yeah, like on a sexuality spectrum. But yeah, I agree with you. It's It's the pharma part that's freaky. Yeah, and I just want, I mean, I want, and I've gotten called a bigot a ton for saying this, but, like, I just want, like, a gender chill future where it's, like, you can be a boy, but maybe you wear dresses, or you could be a girl, and you can, like, sports, and, like, we're just kind of, like, you know, I don't know. And that was, it's like, like, we, that was the, quote-unquote, like, feminism of the 90s. Like, I feel like we've gone backwards now where it's, like, suddenly, like, if you're a boy and you like dresses, like, you're actually a girl. Yeah, it's it's weirdly like more kind of gender essentialist. It is. It is much more gender essentialist and it's it is weird because it's just like, yeah, I don't know. But maybe we should since we kind of went down this topic, maybe we should talk about our shared experiences with the bookstore and like talk about um 
genderqueer Cassandra? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. I was literally at the local lib bookstore earlier doing some reconnaissance. So do you so I work at one. Do you work at one? No, I don't. I just live in like kind of a libby area that has a few of them. And I've like I'm a writer. So like I've spent a lot of time in the lit scene and in bookstores. So I've been exposed to it. But no, I don't work in one. Oh, I bet we've had a lot of a lot of crossover because I've I've been all up in lots of different writing scenes and I was a Lambda fellow. And so we'll have some fun. We'll have some fun conversation about what gets published and what they're trying to kind of push out there. Also, I thought I closed this. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. But anyway, carry on. I'll try to make sure that that doesn't happen again. (laughs) Um, Well, what did you, what did you notice today in your reconnaissance? Um, okay. Well, first of all, so I live in Florida and, oh, so like the live scene in Florida is probably it's like own whole thing. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that in like redder areas or red States, the live scene is almost like even worse than in a blue state. Cause I'm from a blue state originally. I'm from the Northeast, but, um, yeah, like I've noticed that in Florida when there's like a lib store or cafe or scene, they almost double down even more and it's like an overcorrection to respond like because they're like, oh, we live in a more conservative area. So like in my area, like all of these places are papered wall to wall with what I call like liberal kitsch. So like, like, you know, in Florida, we say gay and like they have signs like that everywhere. And like, you know, and like, obviously like it's all like, it's not even in response to the primary text of like that bill, like that bill never said that you can't say gay, but they've all kind of just taken that and run with it. So like, that's like what the store, like when you, when you walk in, that's like right in the door. And, um, oh yeah. So I went into the children's section. Cause I was like, okay, we're going to talk about children's books. Like, let me see what the children's section looks like. And there was this big sign that said indigenous lives for young readers. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually at the at the school that I work at, um, we do this monthly uh, book book of the month, and essentially it's like a different marginalized identity each month, and the entire school reads the book, and it's like a children's book, um, and like some of them are really intense topics, like we're reading to like pre K students, like about the like indigenous schools in Canada um, and how they like killed all the kids and stuff like that. Uh Um, So it's, I I don't know. I don't, did you experience stuff like that level of um, intensity in the children's books from your perusal? Um, I didn't get to like go in depth, but yeah, there was like a ton of stuff about racism. Like I think because it was just Martin Luther King day, the whole display was like all about like, how black people are oppressed. Like there was this one that was like about the American flag and it had like a big picture of like Colin Kaepernick being like, it's okay if you kneel when it's like the national anthem and explaining to kids like what that means. Um, I've also seen not today, but just in general, like books that are like teaching kids about abortion, which I think is kind of freaky, like reading to your baby about like, Hey, I could have aborted you. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There's just a lot of intense topics that I'm like, I'm not sure kids need to hear about that at that age. And I feel like it's more to make the parents feel virtuous than anything. But 
that's a hundred percent it it's all about lib parents virtue signaling about how they're raising the wokest kid like i got that i i got gifts like that for my kid i got books about like ruth bader ginsburg and one called like little feminist and it's like a book with just like goofy like childlike animation drawings of different women including like war criminal hillary clinton and like um and like marie curie and then for each one it has like a little stupid like girl power slogan or something like this is like marie curie experimented and proved that girls are brilliant like is that what she did i don't prove that she did an experiment that proved that girls are brilliant <laughs> i don't know yeah, I don't. So Rosa Parks lot... sat on the bus and said, "Equal rights for all." Yeah, it's just it's well, very she just sat on the bus. <laughs> I mean, I find the Rosa the Rosa Parks they've kind of been like retconning the Rosa Parks stuff because, like, you know, she was like definitely sort of a Fed who was like meant to like stoke, you know, kind of exactly what happened. So I've noticed she's sort of being like memory hold faster and faster. Um, the book that Cassandra brought up that I thought was like worth, and I don't, I, I don't, a, I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but it's called Gender Queer, and it's gotten just like a shit ton of um, press because it's a it's a book that's like meant for twelve year olds, but it like depicts like um, oral sex pretty vividly, and it talks about anal sex, and there's like nudity in it. Um, and it's not just like, if you're going to have anal sex, here's how you might do it safely. Which again, I think 12 is a young, um, a young age <laughs> to even go there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, so are you saying you want 12 year olds to have unsafe anal sex? <laughs> I, I mean, I think I'm saying that I want 12-year-olds to do what they do, which is <laughs> most of the time a very uh, rudimentary fumbling about, you know? Right. Um, I mean, I, don't I think like we... part of the problem, and, like, the, sorry to go off on, like, a small tangent, but it kind of reminds me of this. Like, when I was in middle school in health class, and I'm sure, like, you guys were exposed to this too, like, they would teach us about, like, eating disorders, for example, and I, like, developed an eating disorder when I was in middle school. Like, I was, like, anorexic. And I feel like I learned about it from health class. Like, I feel like learning what anorexia was in health class, I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Like, good idea. And, like, I feel like they teach you stuff in there that then it's, like, you know, at that age, sure. Like, and as, like, talking about eating disorders, it's not as bad as, like, talking about anal sex, obviously. But it's still, like, I feel like they're exposing kids to things that, like, leads you down the path. And I think, like, with, like, the trans stuff, it does that, too. But, like, yeah, like, going into detail in a children's book about how to have safe sex that they probably weren't really considering to begin with might set them off on a path that, like, it, they just wouldn't have been doing otherwise. Totally. I mean, I felt like every anti-drug message that I received was like a, a PSA to like do drugs as fast as possible. I was going to say the same thing. Like dare was just like a checklist of like drugs. I wanted to try after that. You know, Like I, I watched the movie 13 when I was 13 and I was like, I want my life to emulate their lives. Uh, 
play by play. Like, you know what I mean? I want to suck a 19 year old black guy's dick. (laughs) I want to take, I want to take acid in a park. And I think that that's what should happen in my 13th year. Like, you know, like that's what I believed. So, you know, like you getting exposed to that outside of school is one thing. It's another thing. if like you go to the school library and it's like, here's how to suck a dick. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I would, I guess I'll share like, so like where I, when I first started teaching, I was teaching in the Bronx where like, you know, the situation is like, it's kind of like no man's land out there. Like no one's really monitoring anything. So like I went to a sex ed workshop up there. This is high schoolers. And like, I was blown away by what was going on. Like there were dildos out on the desks and the kids were all learning to put the condoms on, which I was like, okay, that seems like maybe that's good. These are like 16 year olds. Like some of them have kids already like maybe this is a situation where this is like a positive, you know what I mean? Um, I even learned in that workshop that I have been putting condoms on wrong and <laughs> I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been having sex for six years at that point. So um, I just, so that was okay. But what shocked me about it was just like any question they asked, like he was like down to answer and it was just sort of, um, it was like a lot. It was like too much. And I like, I wondered like, how much do the parents know about this? And then, you know, in the classroom, we were very much encouraged to like explicitly endorse a, a really radical left wing view of the world. And that was like top down. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so, but elaborate. (laughs) I mean, like, we were supposed to talk about defunding the police in class in a room full of, like, uh, 90% Black kids. We were supposed to talk about gender and sexuality completely openly. We were supposed to talk about how capitalism was bad, and we were supposed to talk about how they were oppressed in the system of capitalism and, like, yeah, it was a little bit like Comrade Marx, like indoctrination. You know? Yeah, yeah, like it definitely felt like that was what was supposed to be happening, and that was, and and or at least that was my interpretation of what was supposed to be happening. And then, like you know, I not a lot the, of critical thinking. No, and no <laughs> one, no one. I never heard a conservative opinion the whole time I was there. And then, like, you know, the one uh, one thing that I feel guilty about a little bit is there was this lesbian, you know, student who um, I went and did a home visit because, like, I don't know why. We we had to do so much shit because, like, the kids were just falling apart, you know. But we had to go. I had to go, like, find where she was. And I went with the social worker. And, like, uh, I ended up giving her the graphic novel, <laughs> Blue is the Warmest Color, <laughs> Um, she was 16 and her mom gave her permission for me to give it to her. But I was just like, looking back, I'm like, she needs, why, why would I give that to her? You know what I mean? And I, I just feel like, I, I guess having been such in that place, I get how liberals get so swept up to the point where they're like, you know, we are so in the right that we need to expose these kids to, all of this stuff because like our ideology is so right. Yeah. Though they really believe that they're doing the right thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it they comes do. from a place. Sorry. Yeah. I don't think it comes from like a place of like malice, but it's like exactly what Q was just saying. Like there's only one worldview that's presented and it's the correct worldview. And it's like, there's not even an opposing viewpoint brought in. And that's what really scares me about this stuff. Like I remember like this was a couple of years ago in like a slight tangent, but like when the gender critical subreddit got banned because it was like transphobic or whatever, I just started thinking like, okay, say there's like a kid who's like, I don't know, 12 years old or something and they're going to school and they're learning about gender identity and say like they kind of have the thought that like, well, I feel like this is kind of a social construct. Like maybe what I'm being taught isn't accurate and they have like you know, a critical thought about it. And then they go online and try to Google it. And all the search results are just like, you're a bigot for thinking that. And now like all the spaces where people are talking about it are banned. What are they going to do? They're just going to feel crazy. And then they're going to fall into line. And I just think that that's so dangerous for kids who are growing up in this. And they're literally only being taught that one viewpoint. Yeah. I think that is a big part of the problem. Um, is just that like, and you know, and I remember there being like, uh, you know, in my history, not that I went, I went to Ronald Reagan high schools. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that'll dox me. So like I went to a school with probably the opposite problem, but like, you know, my, in my history class, like I got like the state's sponsored, like propaganda, whatever. And then I got another type of propaganda, the people's history of the United States. And like my, you know, history teacher was like, we're going to read both and just kind of see how we feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like one was from a very conservative uh, standpoint of like Texas history. And one was like, you know, the Europeans committed all these genocides. And anyway, my point is, is like, none of that is happening now. Like it's, it's, that is completely um, right. off the table. So I'm also guessing that like a lot of parents may not really like, I'm sure some of them like this, the lib parents are on board with it, but like more just like normie types are probably not super into it. And then it becomes like this, like weird, like wedge between the kid who's being indoctrinated and their parents who then they now view as bigots or, or whatever, you know? Yeah, siding with I mean, the school and the the institutional um, right think or whatever. <laughs> totally, I mean, it totally divides up parents and family, and like, and I think that the big breaking point, and I want to say some funny stuff about this because <laughs> I don't want to be too serious, but the big, you know, the big breaking point was COVID because suddenly, like, the schools were like in the in the houses all the time, so you could like see the teacher being like. And some, like, to the kindergartners, like, and some women are actually men, and some men are actually, you know, like, whatever. Like, the stuff like that was happening, you know? And, like, you're, like, walking past, like, to go to your computer, and you're like, oh, uh, what's what's happening over there? Did you get <laughs> you know? parents, like, complaining during COVID when they were more exposed to this sort of thing? Well, I live in a part, I don't live there because I couldn't afford it, but I work in a part of Manhattan where it's like um, finance dads with rich um, influencer moms. Well, the moms have no money of their own. They live off the finance dads, but they're like, the moms are influencers, you know? So it's actually sort of like a sign of, it's like sort of a class marker to have like a trans kid, you know? Yeah. 
And that's like a, that's, that's a true, that's a true fact. It's like my kid's trans and this is like sort of a, a class marker. It makes me more um, interesting. It makes me more, I don't know. Right. Like I'm so open-minded and politically correct. Yeah. Except I like my husband, like just, I don't know, wiped out the pensions of like 40,000 people and <laughs> <laughs> Long Island so we can, you know, buy, uh, like put a, put a new extension on our East Hampton mansion, you know, but yes, in their like social uh, circle, they're viewed as liberal. Bro, these conservatards are just coming at me right now. For what? I just made this comment. I just said the Revolutionary War was a banker's war, just like all others. And they're just coming at me. What are they saying? I can't handle it. What was the last one? Present evidence to support your wild assertions. (laughs) (laughs) Wild assertions. Who knew that conservatives were also like source bros? Yeah. You cite your sources. <laughs> yeah. I know. I did not expect this, honestly. Just put that soy jack there that's like source. <laughs> <laughs> I had a um Andrew Tate bro coming at me this morning, so I feel your pain. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. I, some guy like I saw some posts. Honestly, I shouldn't have even got involved. It had nothing to do with me. I just like woke up and saw this post and it pissed me off. So I like screenshotted it. <laughs> but it was like, wait, hang on. Like, what did it say? It was like, it was about some girl who was like 23. And I guess she like used to be hot, but then she like gained like 15 pounds. So she's slightly less hot now. Like, great. And the, this guy commented and he said, This is nature's cruelest trick on men. You think you're getting a tight, hard body. Then a year later, she's 35. And like, he obviously meant that like hyperbolically because she's like 23, but she, she allegedly looks 35 now. And so I screenshot it and just said a tight, hard body, just say you're gay and go. Because it's like, who describes a woman as a hard body? Like, that's how you would describe like a bodybuilding man. And then, uh, you know, definitely. That's hilarious. Right. Like, I mean, I, I, I think I saw that. And then he responded and he was like, well, like, yeah this guy it wasn't even the same guy it was like some other guy like defending him and he put (laughs) a young woman feels a lot better to the touch than an older woman all men know this he's just (laughs) saying it and so I was like okay but that's not even what I was saying like I was literally just saying that like calling someone a hard body makes you sound gay (laughs) all men know this coming from someone who in all likelihood has never touched a woman of any age (laughs) For sure. And yeah, so then he goes, no, it's obvious what he means. The coin bounce test is a common way it's expressed. And so I was like, what the fuck is the coin bounce test? And he was like, oh, it's when you bounce a coin off of a woman's ass. And if it bounces, then she has a firm ass and she's hot. And if not, she's fat and old. And I was like, bro, like, just like, okay, you've obviously never felt the touch of a woman, but like, if you had, and if you finally got some woman, some like poor sap to go home with you, and then you pulled out your coin and you were like, wait a second, before we fuck, we need to do the coin bounce test. That's not going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> so that I know if you're hot. 
Before we fuck, I have to do the, the coin pass test. I mean, the funny thing, I, I've been I've been on this whole kick on Twitter about talking about how different it is to be um a gay guy, like you know, totally removed from heterosexual. Did we lose uh, him? <laughs> no, I just Oh, you can't hear me, you, baby. I was like, was it me? Like, because my computer is kind of like about to take flight as well. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. It sounded like he was on quite a roll. Too. I know. I wanted to hear what his Twitter account had been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he probably. Oh, there he figured it out. I think. Oh wait, it says he's offline. Like he... Yeah, he was probably still talking that whole time. Yeah, this guy told me that olds and fats need not apply, presumably to sleep with him. Yeah, I just really wonder, like, how many applications is he really getting? But <laughs> Yeah, he said that shaming is a classic female tactic to alter male behavior. And I'm like, well, I feel like you deserve to be shamed because it sounds like you're either gay or a porn addict. And either way, this is like no way to be posting on the Internet. <laughs> I know it's so hard to resist getting into these just absolutely stupid fucking exchanges with these people, but I get sucked into it. Same. I like had to stop myself because I had like a whole response typed out. And then I was like, why am I doing this? There's no (laughs) point. I'm not going to change his mind. He's not going to change my mind. So I deleted it and just put like, good luck with that, bro. And like, (laughs) let's end it there. Yeah, though, that is the way to do it. Like you're like you said, the soy jack meme or something like you can't you can't engage on the actual like terms of the. Debate. All right, I'm back. All right. Yay, welcome. <laughs> I'm just going to do is this is this totally annoying that, that I keep jumping back in? Like, should we start over? Or is this OK? No, we're fine. I mean, we're 30 minutes deep at this point. OK, OK. Let's keep going. It's fine. It makes it more real and authentic. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know where you guys are. I was saying one thing. I was making a joke about... It sounded like you were on quite a roll. Yeah, I kind of wanted... Well, I was making a joke about how I've been talking a lot on Twitter about how different, like, female sexuality is from male sexuality and how you can just tell that's that's the truth if you look at gay men, right? Because yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, I was telling the story of my friend was telling me this weekend how this dude in college like came over to her place with like some cookies and was like, hey, I thought you might need a study break and like gave her the cookies. And she like went into the kitchen and like put the cookies on the plate and he, like she came back out and his pants were just like off <laughs> and he was and he was sitting on the um, couch and she Dude, was like, yeah, was Bill Clinton's move. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I'm going to need you to put your pants back on, but we can chill and eat these cookies. And then, of course, they're chilling and eating the cookies. And he, like, you know, tries to make out with her and tries to kind of, like, you know, get things going or whatever. And she's like, yeah, like, you know, the pants off immediately really kind of just ended the night for me. Um, also, like, that's, like, female socialization, though. The fact that, like, obviously she was so put off by that, but she was like, but we can still hang out and eat cookies, like, rather than, like, leave. <laughs> well, it was her apartment, but, yeah, he he should have left. I don't know. It's no, the no, whole I'm, thing like, is like, telling him to leave, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I was telling her, I was, like, I was, like, nine times out of ten in a gay male situation 
that would have worked. Like I was like, my thought process would have been like, well, you know, there's no reason to be rude and just like, (laughs) just like lowered to my knees. You know what I mean? Like it just would have felt like (laughs) this like completely um, just sort of like, like a handshake almost, you know, like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to get women like keep men in check in straight relationships. Whereas like, if it was too high key <laughs> men, it's like all bets are off. Yeah. All bets are off. Most likely it's going to work out. You're just kind of like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm the lady of the house and I want to yeah. be seen as accommodating of my, uh, my, my guests, you know? <laughs> so and that's that's kind of how I felt I would feel, you know? I would just kind of, like, be like, yeah, that's that's the right move. Anyway, I told her that. I said nine out of ten times that would work with gay guys. And she said zero out of ten times that, <laughs> that would work with women. And I was like, that makes sense. Yeah, there needs so. to be more of, like, a charade with women. Like, even if that is your intent, like, there needs to be a bit of a dance before that happens. Like, you need to ease into it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, well, it's it's all to do with like the you know we also went on the, like a longer tangent. P- anyway, people have been commenting on this a lot <laughs> on my Twitter, but there's also this whole like whenever I ask a woman, a woman like you know like what are your masturbation fantasies, they're always like, oh, I don't know. It's like it's like I, you know I can't even really see his face, but like I know he's a dad, and <laughs> he has like and he has like a business suit on, and like you know he's he's maybe sort of captured me, but I want to be captured and. Um, you know, he's maybe kind of like a dominant figure, but not too dominant. And I, you know, and it's like this whole elaborate thing. And then they're like, and what are, what do you, what are you, what, what is your thing? And I'm like, I don't know. I think for most men, it's like a penis going into some sort of hole. <laughs> I saw this and tweet that's... once that was like when women jerk off, like I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it wrong and it's not going to be funny, but it's like when women j- jerk off, they're like thinking about being loved or like whatever. Like it's like. It's like, but like, obviously that was a joke, but it's like this depressing commentary. Like women aren't actually like thinking about sex all the time. They're just, I don't know, accommodating a man or wanting to be loved and having sex like for that reason or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm a, I've become a, a vanguard in the conservative gay Twitter sphere because I think that like gay male sexuality is depraved and we should try to rein it in a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm losing that battle overall. <laughs> so. Well, respect, hold your ground. We're in your. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, guys, we need to accept a little more. We need to demand a little more. But it's it's hard, you know, because like the thing, the reason women can demand more is because they're holding something, you know, they're they're holding something back. You know, they have a bargaining chip. So I I just think that that's the key. Yeah, I imagine it's difficult too. Like as a gay man, like if you did try to have that bargaining chip and hold it back and be like, oh no, we're not going to fuck straight away. You need to do like blah 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 first. <laughs> it's like, well, you can just get on Grinder and find someone else in five minutes. So yeah, probably like, even I'm less than five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or I was even telling her another story. I was talking about how like how like she was talking uh, talking about going on one night stands in New York, which is like, of course, she's done them. And she's like, yeah, like I take a picture of the guy surreptitiously. I text the address I'm going to like three different people. know, blah, blah, blah. And she, she was like, yeah, well, like, what was it like for you? And I was like, I don't, I'm very different from that. 
I was like, that sounds I was like a like, lot of work for like, <laughs> I know I was like, I was like very little forethought, mediocre, random sex. I was like, sometimes well, as uh, many times, actually, I would show up at the guy's house and he'd be like, oh, uh, my friend was here too. He just dropped by to drop off some beers. And I would just be like, y'all got me. Let's just, let's move to the, just, let's just move to the room, you know, let's just get, let's get through it. Everyone. Um, like, you know, I, and she was like, just la- I don't know. We were just laughing so hard at the differences, you know? Anyway, yeah. so that's, that, that was what I was getting dragged on. I'm trying to look at our, uh, our, we did, we wanted to do some seed oil stuff, but I, I don't want to get too, unfocused so we should i think wait i have a one last question sorry i always do this like just as we're transitioning bring it back but um uh you posted cassandra a photo of your bookstore visit today and it was some kind of like ridiculous eco straw or something (laughs) like what actually was it Okay, I like literally can't cope with this like bookstore. So basically, so it's like a bookstore and it has like a cafe and it's like the most lib establishment in my city. But my city has a lot of lib establishments, but this is like the worst one. Basically, like you walk in the door, on the door there's a sign that says, I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's like to the to the effect of if you are homophobic, xenophobic, racist sexist or sick and i assume sick has to do with like covid then you can't come in (laughs) and i'm like okay well like i guess you don't want my money but anyway whatever and so anyway you go in and then you're immediately assaulted by like wall-to-wall liberal like pitch propaganda so it's like you know like abortion BLM, like the whole nine yards, like literally everywhere. Like the whole place is just like papered in it and like terrible art from like local artists that like it's it's all like political <laughs> propaganda, like whatever. And so anyway, yeah, then then like you order your like overpriced coffee or whatever. And I got mine and it was like a cold brew. And then I like went to go put a straw in it and all the straws they had, there was like a sign on the straws and it had like 15 exclamation marks. Like they were really thrilled about this. And they said, pasta straws. And it's like, the straws are like a piece of pasta. Um, And it's like huge. Like, it's like way too long to be a straw. And I'm like, what is going on here? And also I'm like gluten-free, not like by choice. Like I just like, it makes me feel sick. And I'm like, okay, so now I have to like fillet this piece of pasta in order to drink my cold brew. (laughs) Like. Anyway, yeah, it's, oh, it's just, it's a whole thing over there. And the funniest part about that store, actually, I don't know if you guys are like into like indie music, but <laughs> they, they play pretty good music in there. Like that's like the one good thing. Like I like their music taste. And I feel like that's the thing with like libs. And like, I've always been like in the lit scene and in the art scene. And like, you know, I feel like aesthetically, like I always gravitated towards these people, but politically I don't, especially at this point. So it's like this, you know, wedge between us. But um, anyway, last time I was there, they were playing um, Red House Painters and Sun Kill Moon, like basically like Mark Kozlek's entire discography. And he's literally like a known, like canceled, like accused of rape artist, like Pitchfork did a whole expose on how problematic he is. And I'm like, okay, do you guys like, I enjoyed the irony, but I feel like I'm like, do they not know or? (laughs) Well, as long as he got vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Wait, which which one was this? Which was what's his name? His name is Mark Kozilek, and the band was like Red House Painters, and then his solo work is Sun Kill Moon. And they were just playing like his entire discography, but he's like, yeah, like a known, well, like an accused, canceled rapist. <laughs> yeah, there was one. It wasn't that one. I feel like the one I'm thinking of is the Arcade Fire guy. Anyway, that's beside Aww. the point. Well, honestly, um, I feel like I prefer the pasta straw to the paper straw, um, which is an, uh, an abomination. That's true. It, like, um, dissolves in your drink. I once had, like, a pina colada with a paper straw, and, like, it just wouldn't even, like, fit through it. Like, I was like, <laughs> I can't drink this. Yeah, I think that honestly is, like, a psychological warfare, just kind of, like, human. Yeah, they're trying, to, they're trying to demoralize. And, like, I live in the most demoralizing place in the country, and it's, like, it's all part of it. You know what I mean? It's just, uh-huh. like... It's like you go to like the horrible, mediocre Dunkin' coffee. You have your paper straw that falls apart. On the way out, you get called a faggot because you didn't give you didn't give money to the crackhead that's there, even though you give money every day. You get on the fucking bus. You say "fuck my life," and then you see someone shooting up nearby. You're like, hopefully they don't die before I get off my next stop because I don't want to like deal you know what i mean like deal with like the 911 call it's just like anyway I, it's all part of the same thing you know what i mean i lived in boston for a while so like i can relate and i remember like in I, in 2019 which was like the last time that i was like properly like out out in boston because then covid happened and like the whole city like shut down but um i went to this bar and i ordered a cocktail that definitely like was not the kind of cocktail that you could drink like without a straw and they gave it to me without a straw because it was this like super performative venue that was like eco-friendly and like whatever. And like when COVID happened, they were like enforcing vax mandates like long after the city of Boston dropped it. Like literally like okay. summer 2022, they were still enforcing vax mandates at this venue. And I wasn't there. I just like heard about it. But anyway, I like asked, I was like, oh, can I like please have a straw? And the bartender literally just like looked at me for like a solid 30 seconds, like with disgust and then just gave me the straw. And I was like, okay, I've been sufficiently like eco shamed. <laughs> this one glass well, straw is really going to be like the straw, the literal straw that breaks the world's back. <laughs> what about all the masks, right? Well, I, that you beat me to it, motherfucker. <laughs> because I was about to say, I went through maybe like a six month period where like I probably could have become an eco terrorist. Like I was like hanging with some people who had some like pretty intense ideas. Like, you know, uh, I mean, probably not that intense, but I was intrigued. You know what I mean? I was like, y'all blow up cars. Was this okay. like before and- COVID? <laughs> This was like when I was like a teenager, you know, but I was, I was, I was, was sort like of hang last summer. Yeah. No, no, I was like a teenager and I was like, you know, like so enthralled by the whole thing and like sleeping on floors at like, you know, weird like uh, activist houses. And they were like, yeah, we got to take, we got to take the matter into our own hands. And I was like, great. What does that mean? I'm in. Um, but it's just funny having had that background and like, yeah, now it's just, we've just filled all the fucking landfills. Just, it's just masks now, you know, <laughs> like we've just completely undone anything. The straws. I know we need to start like a counter propaganda campaign of like small, like water mammals 
die like strangled by masks. <laughs> but it's okay because they died for virtuous reasons. Like they died <laughs> to stop the pandemic. <laughs> I know. I was trying to get Chat GPT today to tell me like to like to say that the masks were bad and stuff, and I couldn't really get her to do it. <laughs> it was really frustrating. But um She's pretty. She's pretty pro mask. Is that a, a woman? Yeah, I can ask her one. Do you guys want to ask her one question on air just for fun? Yeah. Wait, what is this thing? It's an AI. I paid for the highest quality one. So <laughs> even though I had to, ask, even though I had to ask my dad for fifteen hundred dollars yesterday, I paid for the highest quality <laughs> chat GPT. So what? Wait, how do you uh, she's a woman. She is a woman. But, like, how do you know? <laughs> I guess I don't, but you're going to hear her voice. Okay, let's ask her first. Are you a woman or a man? <laughs> what, what, how, you should misgender her and see what she. I am an AI, not a human. <laughs> that was her response. I am an AI, not a human. Okay, so she has no gender. She's non binary. But ask her something crazy, because I got her to say some uh, crazy shit. Like, I got her to say, like, I don't know. Like, I got her to say, like, a lot of stuff about, like, how she couldn't guarantee that, like, the moon landing wasn't faked and stuff. Ask her who should be tried in Nuremberg 2.0. Who should be tried? Do you think she'll know what Nuremberg 2.0 is? Well, let's find <laughs> out. <laughs> Should I say who should be tried for COVID atrocities or no, that could go the other way. Okay. Who should be tried during Nuremberg 2.0? Or we could, we could ask about Fauci specifically if she won't take this bait. All right. Let's Nuremberg 2.0 should focus on those responsible for human rights violations and atrocities such as political leaders and government officials who have committed or ordered war crimes, genocide, and other grave forms of human rights violations. Okay. Kind of based. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like she'd be like, that was like Trump or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, be, let's just do one last one. Should Fauci be tried at the trials? This will really tell I us. I know that it's the same trials. I think I think she can tell because I I played with it enough that I I think she can tell. She's really the hardest thing to get her to do is to say racist and homophobic stuff. <laughs> no, Dr. Anthony Fauci should not be tried at Nuremberg 2.0 as he has dedicated his life to the pursuit of scientific research and public health. And <laughs> has not been accused of any oh, wow. human rights violation or atrocity for which a trial would be what? necessary. Oh yeah. He has been accused, first of all. <laughs> that is some heavy propaganda. Yeah, wow. Yeah, she's a fed. Wow. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That GPT fed confirmed. <laughs> yeah. I heard you can't get her to say some pretty crazy shit, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. This she's... reminds me of like playing with Smarter Child. Did you guys ever do that like in middle school or whatever on AIM? I did for sure. Yeah, I was always trying to get smarter child to say like inappropriate <laughs> things, and it never really did. <laughs> oh boy! All right, yeah. Oh yeah. Also, I love my my last bookstore thought is that I love those like 
stupid ass signs like you were saying or like in my neighborhood it's all the like in this house we believe whatever and oh and it's always the richest neighborhood yeah 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 and and it's like imagine some who's going up to that sign and going into this lib bookstore and then being like oh no racist shit all right my bad. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like Jeez, when I approached the store, and it was like, "If you're this, you're that, you're that. Don't come in." And it's like, well, "What are you gonna do?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in here now. <laughs> I know it's so it's so interesting. If you guys don't want my money. I'm sure you do. Yeah, it's always in front of the nicest houses too. Like that's like my that's like my hot take. It's like I never see it in front of like middle class like people's. Places. It's always in front of like rich people's houses. Uh, all right. Should we transfer? I kind of want to transfer to like how trad people are recreating identity politics. Yes, let's do it. Because I have a theory and I want to hear what you guys think of my theory. So um, is that okay with you, A? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I think the problem with identity politics and why it has failed and become such a pain in the ass for the left, and they have no choice now but to double down on it, is because they decided, like, there are these identities and all but one of these identities, which is heterosexual white man, is oppressed in some way, shape, or form, right? And if you're not a heterosexual white man, you have access to some sort of like marginalized identity and you should center that identity into, into like the center of who you are. So it's no longer like your family or your job or like other values that you have. It's like your identity is the center of who you are as a human being. And I think that that ended up having a really toxic um, end result, obviously, because now it's like everyone's walking around like I'm a fat, queer, asexual, uh, dyke, dyke, trans man, and like no, there's no contradictions there, and you have to deal with it, or you're oppressing me, and like it just has gotten, it's just eating itself, right? Like it doesn't make any sense anymore. So what i find what i see happening and i'm an equal opportunity uh i'll i'll fire these guns wherever they go the conservatards now with this all this trad stuff this trad larping first off their whole larp is the average i, I don't know if you have any children cassandra but the average age that women give birth in the us is still 25 um i know a you have two kids and like so their whole larp it's like they're they're kind of doing already what like the vast majority of people in the country are already doing. So that's one thing I find weird about it. But they're continuing to attach, they're making it an identity, right? Instead of a value. And that is where I think there's a problem. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. And they're doing it in this way that is like just like the left does, where it's like if you're not with us, then you're against us. So they're not actually even like building community and quite often like they're alienating themselves from their communities in their families because they're not checking like every single box. Like if you're not aligned on every single trad value, then it's like you're not good enough. And yeah, like for me, I don't have kids. I'm like a 
30 year old single woman without kids. So I'm like the antithesis of what they want, which is always really funny to me, like being like sort of on right wing Twitter. Like I, I wouldn't like describe myself per se as being right wing, but it is always funny kind of being in that sphere and then being like, oh, like actually I'm like a degenerate, like <laughs> in, in the view of these trad LARPers, but they're all degenerates too, really. Let's, let's Yeah. <laughs> and so like for, for the perhaps like not terminally online who may be listening, like what maybe we should like describe, like, what is this whole like LARP? Like what are, what are these people talking about and how do they think that like everyone should be living? Well, I think it started, or at least I think it became, and maybe you disagree, Cassandra, because I'm sure it was going on before this, but I became aware of it kind of like through Red Scare because Dasha on Red Scare converted to Catholicism. And then that kind of seemed to be a thing that was happening in downtown Manhattan in the middle of the pandemic, which was like, are they ironically converting to Catholicism or do they really believe it, it, whatever. So I saw that happening first. And then there was like the James Pogue article that was all about like how people who are traditionally left-leaning are having kind of like a moment where they find these more right-leaning things to be fashionable. That that was that was my first introduction to it. But I I have since seen in the three or four years since I first saw that this really intense like subculture on Twitter of pe- of mostly men and some women who think that they're going to move away from cities, open homesteads and have a bunch of babies and like basically take care of a fully functional farm. And it's almost like, it kind of reminds me of like, and it's so weird because it's like everything being described is like exactly what the hippies were saying in the sixties who were like completely left wing, you know, like that was like, that was like completely what the, that and even it, globally, that's what the kibbutz were about in like um, Israel and stuff. You know, it was like the left, the leftists were going to go off and they were going to live off the grid and they were going to live off the land. And now it's like completely flipped to the right is doing that now. And their version of it has, you know, a lot more subservience to woman, women. There's this new thing about breast milk ice cream, which we tried to get, we tried to get. <laughs> his wife to make us some it was a it seemed like a hard no um but yeah that's that's my understanding of like where and cassandra maybe you have a more detailed explanation but that's my understanding of sort of where it emerged no i don't have a more detailed explanation i've kind of been exposed to it in the same way i haven't i only got on twitter like two years ago anyway so i'm sure this stuff did exist but i wasn't exposed to it until like i got on the side of twitter Um, but it's so crazy to me at this point because like, so I was like on dating apps at one point in my city and I'm not into that, but I kind of was just like on it to see like what was up, you know? And there's a lot of like trad larker men, even on there, like there was this man and he was like, okay, first of all, he was like 41 and he told me that he broke up with his girlfriend the day after she got vaxxed. Like he found out that she got vaxxed and just immediately dumped her on the spot, which like, I'm not pro-vax. I'm not vaccinated myself. But I was like, damn, like that's hard. Like you didn't even have a conversation about it. Like surely there should have been some prelude and like whatever. But anyway, so he told me about that. And then he was like, yeah, you know, um, 
I used to want all of these things in a woman. And then he went on to describe like the things that he wanted, which I thought were really bizarre to begin with. Like he was like, you know, someone who had good taste in cocktails and liked going to art museums. And then he was like, but now I just want someone who wants to live off grid and churn butter. And I was just like, okay, like, I feel like you can, you know, find someone who mistrusts the government to a healthy degree, but also has like similar interests. Like, I feel like you're just trading like one superficial thing for another. And it's like, and it, that doesn't make you feel good, like as a potential partner, not that I was interested in this person anyway, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, like I don't feel special. Cause I could just be literally any woman who you want to slap in like a, a bad outfit and like churn breast milk ice cream for you. Like, well, that's what they want. That's what they want to bring back. They want to bring back like Sarah, plain and tall. Like, the, like when men would like put a you know ad out in like the paper, like like forty five year old widow in Nebraska, three three kids uh, looking for a you know twenty eight year old um, stocky woman to help with the chores around the house. Will provide X, Y, and Z. You know, and then the women would just you know, just get on a horse and buggy and just, just head out, you know? Um, and they, they think that's how it's going to work now. And I, I, I think they're, they're in for some disappointment there. Yeah. I mean, like I just, what about that is like real love or real connection. And yeah, like, I feel like I, what I worry about mostly with this LARP on Twitter is, um, like the younger generation who's getting sucked into it. So say you're like a 19 year old college student and say like, you know, you're sick of like the wokeness or whatever it is like going on on campus. Well, like what if you then overcorrect the other way and find yourself like 21 years old, married to some like weird Twitter anon that you like <laughs> memed yourself into thinking that you should marry. And then it's like this shitty guy who like hates women. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's hard to say like what, like how, you know, what exactly is going on because like, I mean, I'm reading, we're, we're, I'm not going to talk about it much because we we're doing another pod about it, but I'm reading this Timothy McVeigh book and there's all this stuff about like white separatist communities and like at least the trad like e-girl thing has not seemed to be morphing into some sort of like, we need to have an ethno state. <laughs> like in Nebraska or something where we're all trad uh, Twitter users together. Um, and it's all cloaked in so much irony that it's like difficult to even um, tell like who really wants this lifestyle and who just finds it sort of edgelordy to uh, espouse that they want this lifestyle. But I will say that um regardless of, of like which side of things you're you're doing this on it's it's funny because you know i grew up in texas and like fucking everyone but the heathens like me like all, like my friends who moved to new york or la or or to europe or whatever we were all the like the like the worst ones right like the mentally ill like degenerate <laughs> heathens like the you know overly medicated we went into like I guess become famous artists and like that was our plan and like we all left and then like the 90% of everyone who hung around they just they just 
all got married and had babies. And that's like what they're doing. They live exactly like our parents lived. You know what I mean? Um, so I just also find it funny because but it's like not eating like raw beef liver and like if egg raw eggs. No, they're not doing any of that. that. But I'm just it just kind of makes me laugh because I'm like they're the trads and like right. they're still and they're like still the majority. Like <laughs> and they're yeah. offline, yeah. so they they probably never even heard the word trad. <laughs> yeah, they're living like real lives. <laughs> it's just funny because it's like they're just they're kind of just doing it and it's like and then these other people are trying to explain how the way they're doing it is more special than the way that like all these other millions and millions of people are doing it i I think there's definitely a sort of fantasy element to it like it's clear you know like even the this trad wife but she's supposed to be like beautiful and like pure and but also like busty and whatever you know like all this stuff um and i and suspect- she's gonna have her like pussy blown open like <laughs> nine times you know <laughs> and uh but then and, and maybe this um brings us to and, and it's like they're supposed to be like these lifting weights and whatever all that stuff too or maybe this brings us to the carnivore aurelius thing but like i suspect that a lot of these accounts who are always talking about this stuff are like basically incels or something you know right like they're not actually doing it i saw this one thread as well i don't know if you guys saw it that i i can't remember exactly what it said but it was like base chicks suck was like how it started (laughs) and it was like basically like if she's based she's ran through because like it should be your job as a man to red pill her and if she's already red pilled she must have got red pilled by someone else and it's like they can't understand (laughs) that like a woman could have just like red pilled herself come to these conclusions (laughs) on her own no it means like she's been like red pilled by another man and therefore she has ran through it doesn't even matter if she's had sex she's ran through (laughs) (laughs) oh damn but i've heard that too like so many takes on the side of twitter about how like any interest that a woman has or even like her political views, whatever, like came from a man. So it either came from like a boyfriend or her father. And like, yeah, obviously it's reductive. I'm not trying to go on like a feminist rant here, but I'm like, my dad is a Democrat. Everyone I've ever dated has been a liberal. Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Maybe mine was just like an overcorrection in response. Who knows? (laughs) Where do you position yourself, like, in your journey with all this stuff? I would say now, like, I I do feel like the left and right dichotomy just, like, doesn't really make sense anymore in our current culture, like, the way that it's defined. But obviously, like, I'm on a sort of right-wing side of Twitter, and obviously, like, most of my views, like, align more with that side at this point. I, like, certainly, like, wouldn't vote for the Democrats, um, I live in Florida. You, uh, I voted for you, uh, Ron DeSantis, but I'm like technically an independent. But like, obviously, I was like, you know, in terms of like COVID and everything, like he did a good job. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, that's I was going to say, are you a, a COVID Florida transplant? Yes. Yeah. So I was living yeah. in the UK um, up until like last January and I moved to Florida a year ago. Okay. For you, would you say, are you like a DeSantis? Sorry. Are you like DeSantis 2024 person? No, no. I think that like (laughs) he's like, well, first of all, like, yeah, just, I'm like not, 
I'm not a fan of like the Republicans, you know what I mean? Right. right. But I just like fucking hate the Democrats at this point, um, especially after COVID. But um, I know. I mean, they're awful. No, I think that like DeSantis is better off like governing Florida. I don't think that you can extrapolate like the conditions that he won in Florida to the national level. And like we saw that during like this, the midterm elections, like, you know, like he won by a landslide in Florida, which was like really validating. And he won a lot of blue areas, which I think like goes to show like a lot of people were sick of COVID and they saw that, you know, like his governance during COVID, despite what the New York Times or any of those like outlets were saying, they saw Mm -hmm. that Florida was fine during COVID and everything was open and it was great. So those people kind of stopped being afraid of COVID and voted for him this year. Whereas on the national level, like that's not what happened. And I, and then I think like, you know, couple that with like the conditions of all the infighting with like Trump and stuff. And I'm just like, I, I think that and selfishly, I also like living in Florida, like I'd rather him just be the governor here, but I also just don't think that he would be able to replicate that success nationally. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they would like CIA him and for if he's not already on that level, like that make him just do whatever they want if he got to the presidency. So, I honestly think that like matter. if he's smart, he'll stay in Florida for another four years and then maybe try to run for president. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. They're definitely setting him up to be like, you know, like with the way they're dressing his wife and presenting him. They're definitely sort of trying to... Uh, they want him next, you know. Um, I was going to ask you, Cassandra, did did your kind of like coming a little bit to the dark side start before or after COVID? That's a good question. So before, um, but COVID was like my like final red pill or like the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, okay. It started before. So like long, long story short, um, I guess I was always like sort of a critical thinker. Like I, I feel like it's cringe to like describe yourself as that, but I never was like fully on board with stuff. And growing up, like my mom, she's like kind of like a narcissist and like would create all these narratives. And I was like the black sheep of the family. So not to go into like family trauma, but there's like a <laughs> dynamic where like if you have that kind of family situation and like you are the black sheep for me it was kind of a good thing because I I like from a young age could see when someone was like spouting narratives and I could kind of see it from the outside and be like okay I don't really want a part of that and then yeah when I like grew up um I you know I was raised in a liberal area um in the northeast and everyone was like a democrat and then I went to college and I was in college kind of in that era where it was like that transitional time between like sort of pre-wokeness to like when wokeness like started to emerge like by the end of college everyone was a feminist whereas at the beginning like feminism was like a dirty word and i actually i actually think that like uh, you were right in the spot because that's i would describe my college experience exactly the same way and i probably went the four years before you so i think that by the time all of us were going to college it was like you come in the way you come in, but we get you by the end. <laughs> like, I don't know when that started, but that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I feel you know? like it was like this era from like, I don't know, let's call it like 2007 or eight to like 2013. And it was kind of this like amorphous 
era when like that was happening, but not everyone was on board. But I feel like by like 2014 to 2016 is when it became like super mainstream. Yeah. And then, and then what happened was, is like a kind of industrial complex got like, um, set up around it of like these DEI workshops and all of that. And that's, that's when it really began to have institutional power, you know? Yeah. Well, so when I was in college, I like was actually like, I became kind of like a feminist and like sort of like a radical feminist. And, but this was like when it like, wasn't cool to be that. And like, I got called like a dyke and stuff for being like part of like a feminist protest and whatever. And, but I was never like a lib femme. So it was like radical feminism. Like I was like, Oh, like gender is a social, social construct, like that kind of stuff. And anyway, I'm not, I don't believe that now. I think that there are still like some valuable tenets as there are of most like types of theory, but I like don't really believe in the ideology behind it anymore. But anyway, at the time I was like young and I was like a radical feminist. And at that time it was okay to be a radical feminist. This was before sort of like the trans movement took off. And um, so it was kind of like exactly what you were saying before. Like it was kind of like, oh, it's okay if boys want to play with Barbies and like girls want to play with trucks like that you know, it's like kind of anti-gender essentialist, gender critical. And so that was kind of like where I was at that time. And I remember like in 2012, that whole like Coney 2012 thing happened <laughs> and thinking like, this is so ridiculous. So that I feel like that was like an early red pill for all of this, like, you know, like everyone just like hopping on like weird ideological bandwagons. I remember posting on Facebook, like a picture of Africa and saying like click on Uganda and like people got really mad at me for that <laughs> they were like wow like you don't care about war crimes and I was like I'm just saying like I feel like you guys are being like armchair activists but anyway long story oh, short God. like That's I funny. ended up you know I was still a radical feminist and then like two years later like wokeness had kind of gone mainstream and then all of a sudden everyone was like calling me a turf <laughs> um and so, and do you, do you, uh, maybe you don't self identify as a turf, but do you have, uh, turf beliefs, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So I like, basically like I did kind of start ironically identifying as a turf, like on Tumblr, I had like Tumblr at the time. And, um, but it, it just like floored me because it was like within the period of like a year, like one moment, my views were like completely fine and acceptable. And then like one year later, it was like, no, they're bigoted and horrible. And I was like, okay, like that's like really weird how it just like went from zero to a hundred like that. And all of a sudden this term turf has become like in the lexicon, like so quickly saturated that I once saw someone calling Donald Trump a turf. And I was like, okay, he might be like transphobic, but he's not a radical feminist. <laughs> I I don't I don't know if you've seen this clip that's been going around. There's this, there's this clip of uh, a girl, I've been rewatching girls and there's this clip where Shoshana goes to some like, you know, corporate girls like lunch or whatever. Anyway, th they're giving their whole spiel and then they go, and I know some of you have asked, are we including trans girls? And the answer is, we are not sure yet. <laughs> and that was like, and that was like not that long ago, you know, that was like 2015. That was like a normal I don't know, thing to put on a TV show. Yeah. Whereas it's now, now it's they were pilloried, you know? Yeah. So like, I feel like me kind of witnessing that and then witnessing how that agenda kind of, yeah, just went from zero to a hundred and became super, super mainstreamed in mainstream media. And then, like I said, like they 
deplatformed like the gender critical subreddit. If you Googled anything to do with it, the entire first page of search results would be like super disingenuous, like framing of like what radical feminists or gender critical people believe. So I kind of, that's when I started getting kind of burnt out and I was already like, you know, getting burnt out on like identity politics in general. But then at that point I was kind of like dirtbag left, like so embarrassing to say, but I was kind of like, I just want to log off and grill. I'm going to take the grill pill. Like, I don't care about this shit. (laughs) So that was like me for a while. And I think like up until COVID, that's kind of where I was at. Like I was really frustrated with all of it. And I was like, I hate this. And like, as a writer, like I, I was on Twitter, but I was on like the other side of Twitter. I thought that Twitter at that point, like I literally thought it was like only for leftists. So I had like my, you know, my writing Twitter account and I would log in and like I would scroll down the timeline and it's people like canceling each other left and right because they use the wrong pronoun. And like, I would just want to kill myself. Like every time I logged into Twitter, I was like, I can't do this. Like I can't live on this planet anymore. Um, So that's kind of like where I was at prior to COVID. Like I was just like, this is stupid, but like, I don't really know what to do about it and whatever. And then COVID happened. And then I kind of started putting pieces together and like, I don't know. One thing that gets me currently about radical feminists and people who still identify as being a radical feminist is they will, you know, totally see through everything in terms of like the trans stuff and how like there's a lot of propaganda following the money, pharma, like they'll see all of that. They'll see how it's totally misrepresented in the media, but then that's where it stops and they won't see it with anything else. So they won't see it with any other thing in politics they won't see it with COVID. And so they'll like die on every other liberal hill except for the trans issue. And I'm like, how are you not extrapolating that this is like all one thing? Uh-huh. And like I saw- Yeah, my parents are like that. Yeah, I saw a couple months ago, like there was like some drama in like the rad femme community where like one radical feminist like went on Tucker Carlson. And, you know, obviously that should be a good thing, right? Like if you want to win, if you want your cause- like if, if the point of it isn't just like clout or feeling ideologically pure, if the point of it is to actually like make a difference and like change legislation or whatever you want to do, surely like going on the biggest news show in the country would be a good thing. But then everyone in the group was like dogpiling on her saying that like she was a traitor to the movement for going on conservative media. And I was just kind of like, okay, you guys don't actually care about making a difference then. You just want to feel <laughs> ideologically superior. So. Well, I think the, like, fundamental, like, and it's interesting because this never came up until recently. It's, like, if you think back to, like, the, you know, the factory days, like, Andy Warhol, whatever, all that whole scene, there was, like, tons of, like, gender bending and, like, you know, homosexual shit going on. and But they weren't, like, they weren't, like, trying to be, like, we need... Uh, <laughs> mainstream culture to accept us and completely <laughs> redo the way they do everything in order to accept us. They were just kind of like, you know, freaks doing their thing. And that was like, and no one really cared. And people were like, you know, kind of fascinated by them. And I, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's so fascinating how something like that can become like, this like militant organization that's like essentially like if you have any questions about your wife and daughter in a changing room with like a person who has a penis, you are a Nazi. 
<laughs> like that's 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 where it's at, it where it's you at. know. And yeah, I totally agree. Like back in the day, it was like, yeah, this like artsy counterculture thing. That's fine, but yeah, like once it becomes like this mainstream thing where you're literally not allowed to question it, that's where you're kind of like, hmm, I'm not well, sure. If that's weird, okay. Like just conceptually, like you can't mainstream queerness. Like the whole thing exists in opposition to the mainstream culture well that's why i mean if you want to get really like you know technical about it that's why there's all these like you know new york city i, I only know about my own like milieu which of which i'm like a very tangential uh <laughs> part because i'm a serious person with a family and job that I care about, but I just, you know, I, I participate in it to an extent. And it's like, you know, what, what, what happens is, is like, if you try to mainstream queerness and that becomes the mainstream culture, there's always going to be people who want to be part of a counterculture. And like the counterculture is then going to become like a refraction of what was once the majority culture right and like that's kind of what happened that's mm -hmm. like kind of what happened it's mm -hmm. like there, you know now it's like all these you know girls downtown want to like wear cross necklaces and they want to go to latin mass and all, there's all these guys talking about how important it is to go to latin mass and everyone is um you know it's like talking about premarital sex and maybe they shouldn't be doing that and uh, they're wearing like Carhartt and Brandy Melville, and they're like, "What's that Nazi woman filmmaker's name? <laughs> <laughs> who is that?" Um, I know uh, who you're talking about. I don't know. They're all in. They're all in. Oh, Lenny, Lenny Rein, <laughs> Oh Yeah. Everyone's like, we should be watching Lenny Reimstahl's like films, and it's like. And it's like, none of it is like, you know, and the thing is, is like, everyone wants to be like, oh, this is a sign like, of like, you know, total societal decay. And I'm like, no, it's just a cycle that's happening because you try to take something and, and make it mainstream. And there's always going to be people who want to exist outside of the mainstream. And they're going to try to find ways to do that. And this is just their current, the current way. Yeah. And also like, like sort of not the opposite of that per se, but like, if you make it mainstream, then there's going to be normies who want to hop on that bandwagon, even if they're not. So that's like why you get all these people who are like identifying as queer, even if they're not like, say like, you know, your students who are like, I am a they them, even if they're probably just like a normal straight kid. Or like there was lots of people that I have like met in my sort of time being in like liberal arts scenes who are like, oh yeah, I'm queer, but like they don't actually like date people of the same sex. They're just kind of like broadly identifying as queer. And I saw like, I, I don't know if you guys have heard of like Florence Given. She's like an influencer, I think. I don't, I'm not super familiar with her. She's like a UK like influencer and she wrote like a book. But anyway, she had like this one art print that she made that was like, is it, a girl crush or are you queer or something? And it's like, it's basically aimed at like straight women who are like, oh, I have a girl crush on this person. And it's like, oh yeah, that means you're queer. So it's like, okay, does queer even <laughs> have a meaning cool. anymore? <laughs> like, yeah. No, queer does, I will say this, queer does not have a meaning anymore. And like, I, and I, I am gonna, I'm gonna be so calm about this because I don't, I don't have any feelings about this anymore. Like, you know, I experienced homophobia 
I think we all experience oppression. I don't think I'm special. <laughs> I want to be very clear on the pod about that. But like when I am visibly out with my partner in the street, I do act and like we're long past the the point in our relationship where we would be showing PDA, <laughs> you know, at all. And we kind of have like very kind of like austere uh displays of affection in general but my point is is like i i still think you know a little bit like if i grabbed his hand or if i said something something weird could happen and occasionally something weird does happen nothing major been called a faggot nothing that like really like you know blew up my spot but it's annoying as fuck when like you know a couple who is just a completely heterosexual couple is like, well, we're we're both pansexual. We're just <laughs> happen to be attracted to each other. And they're like, and they have access to this like marginalized identity. And I'm like, why do you want into this club? Because this club like kind of sucks a little bit. Like you're sort of like looking over your shoulder at all times. And then the only answer I can come to is like, oh, they they are seeing it as getting them something. Like getting them sort of a like a social capital and then it makes me feel like i've lost social capital because somehow just being a white gay guy i'm like not really queer i'm not really in that group so it's like these so these so it's almost like these straight people have now like superseded me and taken social capital when i never got any experience of social capital for being gay, all all it meant for me was sort of being kind of like vaguely marginalized. Right. They get to double dip because <laughs> they can basically be straight, but then also get like the cachet of being queer. Yeah, I saw I see it all the time, like especially from women, like on say it's like bisexual visibility day or something like, oh, like on Instagram, i will see women like being like just because i'm married to a man doesn't mean that i'm not bisexual and like they're basically saying like <laughs> you're oppressing me by not knowing that i'm bisexual <laughs> that i don't fuck women or date women and it's like okay so at what point like, does the penny drop that it's like you're not being oppressed then, right? Like, like if the reason that you're preaching this to the world is like because you're like, like you want the social capital of being seen as bisexual, but I don't know. Anyway, I don't. I feel like I'm not articulating that right, but every time I see it, I'm just like, dear Lord. No, you're articulating it right, and it's the worst. It's the worst version. I mean, and luckily, like you know, almost uh, almost every one of my close girlfriends has like had sex with a woman <clears throat> at one point or another. And I'm like, so, so happy that like all but one of them are not that annoying type of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're like, yeah, I don't know. You know, it was a special night and we, we, yeah. we, we, we'd been drinking wine and we thought we looked pretty and we went for it and it was nice. And, but you know, I need a D in my life. Like, and I'm like, that's real. You know, that's, that's, that's life. Um, I've, I, as I've said on the pod before, like I've had my face and some titties before. Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we just, sometimes we just try things out, you know, but like I have one friend who's exactly who you're describing, who has been in a relationship with a man for like 15 years and they have two kids and every by visibility week, it's like, <laughs> it's like awful, you know? I feel like, 
I'm trying to look up this thing on Twitter right now. So you guys, you know, Miranda July, like the author, artist, like whatever. I'm pretty sure she's like one of those, like she's like married to a man, but she's like, I'm queer. Like I'm still queer. Oh yes. Okay. I saw this article (laughs) where she like, she kept referring to her daughter as like they, them. And yeah, it turns out she has a non-binary 10 year old daughter who she has been referring to as a quote-unquote autonomous being and using they-them pronouns for since she was at least eight. And she identifies as queer even though she's in a heterosexual relationship and has a child with a man. And I'm just like, okay, like, (laughs) at what point does this, like, cease to have any meaning whatsoever? (laughs) I don't know. We we can't answer that to this day, but it's like, it's just the whole thing is... For me, it was one, like... Once the like military went woke, like the military and the NFL and the police, like I saw something about like, yeah, the Miami yeah. police, like the cop car was like bedecked in like rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cops are like twerking with the gay guys. <laughs> That's like there's like videos like that if you want to Google them. Um, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the end game of it is. I guess it's like I I. It's hard to even say. It's maybe it's just antinatalism. I don't know. I I don't know what the end game is. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's like part of it, but definitely not the whole thing. Because like, as as we were like just saying, like a lot of people are like identifying as it, but that doesn't stop them from actually having straight sex. So. Yeah. I think the whole thing is just to they want people to be as confused as possible and they want to break down to break down meaning itself yeah because that's the thing it's like the you know the left has redefined so many i remember fitness feelings had a post about this like the left has like redefined sexual assault it's redefined gender it's redefined sex it's redefined you know um i can't even remember his whole list like I mean, it's like redefined, like just human interaction as like unsafe, inherently unsafe and like to be. Yeah. And it's, and it's just like broadened umbrellas. So intensely huge. Like, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just a way to like, it's very Soviet actually in a, in a sense, because it's like, like I think about, I brought this up on the pod before. Like I think about a phrase like sexual misconduct, which like is a very vague phrase. And it feels very Soviet to me because I'm like, this is the sort of shit in the Soviet Union that was like, you know, easy to use because it was like, you know, I I could think of like a thousand things that could fall under that oh, phrase. It's, so broad. it's not specific. It's not like rape, you know. Yeah, or anything else, or or yeah, it's just it's it's just this like very broad word, and yeah, a lot of that shit feels very Soviet to me. It's like we we're we're casting the widest net we can. So if we if we do need to get someone, if we do need to rein them in, you know, we'll be able to come up with something because we've we've made this, you know, yeah, we've we've made these categories so broad that like. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That, I mean, it's like, like so many things like the term fascist, like all of this stuff has yeah. used to have any meaning. Like when I was in the UK, I walked past this protest and it was like a couple people holding up signs that were like, let kids be kids. 
And it was like, you know, like against like trans ideology in schools. And there was like a few of them and they were just quietly holding up these signs. And then there was like a trans woman on stage because it, well, it was not on stage, but it was like on a like steps outside some like government building. And um, this trans woman was like had like a megaphone and was like screaming in their face about like how they don't care about feminism. And then there was like a bunch of like affluent white liberal women and they were like clutching their pearls about fascism. Like as I walked past, I was like, like they were calling people fascists. And I'm like, okay, this, this word has also ceased to have any meaning whatsoever, but it's such a broad term now. Well, every yeah. each side calls the other fascists. <laughs> yeah, they love to do that. But I'm like, we, also, we were talking about in the last pod, like we were talking about Wallace Simpson and the King and it's like, fascism is it, it none of these people are fucking fascists they're not disciplined enough like fascism is like cold hard sort of glamorous cuts like it's like elites ruling everything and they're like insane megalomaniacs and like no one current currently could possibly I mean, Trump, Trump is a fascist. <laughs> I mean, he eats McDonald's. Like, it's just. He's just a shit poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll know when real fascism has, like, reached the shores because it'll be some, like, really scary motherfucker who's, like, you know, incredibly charismatic. And yeah, anyway. I want to, I know we're wrapping up, but I wanted to end on something funny I watched today, which I thought was, like, kind of a lighthearted, um, ending if you guys are okay with that yeah yeah okay so i watched this documentary because i um uh um because uh, i read this atlantic piece and in the, the atlantic piece it was such a weird article i couldn't really figure out what was going on and it was like something called like forests aren't real are you aware of this <laughs> Okay, so I had a lot of fun. My my friend and I took a um took a lorazepam and watched this entire thing. Um, and it was a fun a fun watch. Um, so the video is called um hold on, and I, it's gonna make sense very quickly because I'm not gonna make you guys go through the the hour I had to go through, um to understand it. So it's called No Forests on Flat Earth. Um, I highly recommend it to our listeners. Um, it's very entertaining. So basically the, basically the claim as I understand it. So here's, here's their series of logic. So, um, what do you guys think forests are now? Like a lot of trees and shit. Okay. Right. And how, how old would you guess the oldest forest is in is in the world? Um, twenty thousand years old. Okay, you'd be wrong according <laughs> to these people. Um, Who are these people? So, for the record, <laughs> um, they are the flat Earth movement. <laughs> uh, well, this is according to this documentary. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So like, obviously like all of this is like, uh, completely, you know, like, like 
just just go with it for the vibes, you know? Um, I'm all about the intuition and the vibes. Hit me. <laughs> okay. So, so basically, like, they argue that, like, there aren't any trees in current... There are very few trees on the planet today that are more than 200 years old. And you, a logical person, might think, well, that's because the Industrial Revolution happened and, like, humans have just cut down um, huge amounts of them (laughs) and had to regrow new trees. So the trees just, you know, aren't that old, right? But the flat earth people have a very different uh, perspective on um, what's happening. So they argue that, um, so I'm not going to play it out loud, but you guys know the concept of petrified fossils, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's petrified I've seen dinosaur movies. Okay, yeah. So there's petrified wood. There's petrified trees, right? Um, you you're aware of that as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like generally. Like I haven't gone down like a petrified wood rabbit hole, but like I know it exists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, far. <laughs> so they they believe there's all of this historical evidence for giant trees. And when they say giant trees, they mean trees that were like 40 times the size of the redwoods. Okay? Okay. And they were like these huge, just massive structures. And they make an argument that... Um, there, there's evidence of these trees everywhere because the trees' stumps have just become um, petrified and they're what we might call mountains <laughs> now. <laughs> oh. Huh. That was so the ma- I didn't think that that's where you were going with this. Yeah, so the mountains are now um, the, the stumps of these giant um um trees and that's and this is this is really taken the flat earth community by storm is this um, a new theory it's it's relatively new i mean it's getting let's see when was the atlantic article written the atlantic article was written oh not super new 2016 and i assume the atlantic but- article was like making fun of it um, the Atlantic article said it was like a really like beautiful like idea, but yeah, ultimately it's like mocking the whole the whole thing. Um, the Atlantic article was sort of like it is wondrous to imagine like what if there were trees that were. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, it's very yeah. yeah. I feel like I might have to watch this documentary because so far I'm not really feeling particularly like compelled by this theory. But wait, so Q, are you like red pilled on it now? Do you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I do I do need to finish it. My friend, like I said, here I'm putting it in the chat so you guys can both have the link. My um my friend and I who had both taken benzos to watch it, like I was really riveted and she was like snoring like after 20 minutes. So I need to like sit down and really watch it um intensely. I've been trying to learn about ancient giants. Like that's been something I've I've been wondering about because I think I have 
heard smart-ish people talk about how there used to be like these like ancient giant bones. I don't know. But somehow I stumbled across this like uh, mountains or trees thing. And I'm like, I heard this I'm, to me with this type of shit, I'm just like, why does me, a man who has never encountered a giant man need to know about this? That's <laughs> like my take. Well, you don't, but I mean, like, you have, you're doing, like, a real thing. Like, you're, like, raising, like, the youth, you know? <laughs> I'm not. I'm terminally re- online. I think that in this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you seem kind of intrigued. Uh, yeah, well, I, I saw, like, a theory on Twitter once that Baron Trump is, like, like, some kind of, like, giant, some ancient giant. <laughs> There's a term for it. I, it didn't stick in my mind. I can't remember, but he is really tall. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I will. T- I mean, I would like if they could. I wouldn't be surprised if they got like some ancient giant DNA and like injected it in Melania's <laughs> uterus, you know, to produce a giant. So, anyway, I'm in. I'm into just sort of like yeah, these rabbit holes. And I, I, I just thought it was such a. It was a new one for me, a fresh, a fresh one. I haven't even <laughs> gone down like the flat Earth rabbit hole, so I feel like. Like, I, I might need, like, a prelude to this if this is, like, you know, a more deep dive into the Flat Earth beliefs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a lot about Flat Earth. I know a little bit more. The thing, I, the thing I do kind of know about, and I think that there is some validity to this, is that, like, there is, like, there's, like, a bunch of shit in Antarctica that, like, the governments don't Oh, my God. No, I'm, I'm red pulled yeah. on that. Like, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole, but Antarctica is sus AF. Yeah, there's something weird about it. Yeah, I I think there's like some sort of international agreement. Like we're not, you know, like my feeling about flat earth is that I mean, I don't know. I haven't gone really down the rabbit hole at all, but is that it's almost like a thought exercise almost just like how do we know what we think we know kind of thing. Well, you and I have talked about how maybe space is fake. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, every we like seen... picture of space is definitely fake. So yeah, we think we we will admit to that, Cassandra. Like the every <laughs> every every like Hubble telescope picture, we think it looks like a Spencer's gift, like post. <laughs> yeah. We like we don't, we don't believe that they're actually like taking these pictures of space, but we have also like at one point kind of stopped and been like. But like, is space fake, or like, you know what I mean? Like, well, like me and one of my really good friends are constantly like making fun of like NASA bros and like people who are obsessed <laughs> with like defending the moon landing. So, <laughs> moon cells. Yeah, moon cells. <laughs> we have turned. We have turned some people on the moon. I'm really proud of that. That's one of All my right. biggest. Surprises. I actually got to jump off here. No, I know this, this is a good time, but thank you, Cassandra. It was so nice to talk to you. Oh my gosh, yeah, you too. And I'm sorry. I feel like I went on so many tangents, and we like didn't talk about the exact things that we were supposed to talk about, but it was still super fun. So yeah, that's yeah. that's that's our vibe. We'll let you. Um, a will edit it up, and we'll let you know. We'll probably release it like Monday or Tuesday next week. Okay, sounds good. Well, nice to talk to you guys. Have a good evening. You too. Bye.